to you, baby Even electricity can't compare to what I feel when I'm with you Oh, baby, giving up my ghost for you Now I'm see-through, you give me a feeling Feeling so strong, I know you've been treating Treating yourself wrong, so let me aka Roadside Shaman on Instagram. I'm here with another fireside chat. I, um, full disclosure, if you're catching up, well, first of all, if you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're catching up and listening from before, I'll say this is my seventh castor oil pack currently in process. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Um, I'm laying down with my uh, hot water bag on my on my tummy, on my lower pelvis, working on the scar tissue, breaking up the fibrosis, loosening things up. I'm stepping into the fullness of my healing, and that means that I have to choose it every day. Every day, I have to choose my healing. Every day, I have to prioritize my healing. 
and again, full disclosure, I almost oopsed it big time two days in a row. I, um, if you're not aware, I'm autistic and part of that neurological framework means that um, in certain cases with um, repetition, I find comfort and ease and that's where I, I am, you know, uh, soothed with familiarity. However, with certain tasks, especially motor planning tasks, visual motor planning tasks in particular, um, I come up uh, against a phenomenon wherein the more I do a particular visual motor planning task, the more cognitive effort it takes for me to follow through with that. It becomes literally harder for me the more I practice it. It's a bizarre um, function of the way the autistic neurology is sometimes set up, the wiring that we have. So um, I have awesome beginner's luck, like I'm a great quick learner. I pick things up very fast as far as like um, just watch and learn, watch and learn, do, you know, try and go. Like I, I can um, upload a lot of new information quite frequently, but when I'm required to go in and repeat a task, especially repeat a task quite similarly, repetitively, I, it just becomes a, a, a feedback loop where the harder I work at it, the harder it becomes. And it's just it, the human, no matter how diligent they are, how much full of force of will, you can't overcome that kind of base code programming where the more you do something, the harder it is. I mean, it's just that's why people stop lifting weights at a certain number of reps. Their muscles just burn out. They, they reach their max load and they can't do another set. And so if you think of that in terms of like neurological wiring and firing, there are certain times where you go to do the task and all the wiring's fried. You literally can't run that circuit anymore. And so you have to like lay new paths, you know, roll out new neurons basically to reroute around that old deadline that you can't access anymore. It's, it's a really, um, interesting feature of my personal neurology that I've come to know pretty intimately over the past few years through deep observational focus. I got out of the, the, the judgment path, the, the loop of morality that comes from the production wound and from, uh, the, the moral filtration of religion of, you know, being brought up in the church in a very strict standard of personal behavioral expectations. And um, to be clear, a lot of those personal behavior, behavioral expectations were dialed into um, an additional level of rigidity because of my own personal um, interpretation. It wasn't that the people were putting these rules of rigidity on me. It was my own interpretation of how the scripture was. I was very um, hyperlexic. I was very um, uh interested in logic and reason and things lining up and making sense. And if you've ever read the Bible, you'll understand that there's a whole lot in there that uh, uh, doesn't necessarily line up on the surface or on the first pass or within the cultural construct of our interpretational filter. Um, it's just, you know, it's a problematic document if you're reading it from the terms of logic. So... Excuse me, take a little sip of my coffee. Um, so at any rate, that's what I grew up with and in was this rather strict interpretation that I made even more strict. Now, the best standard I can offer you is um, like in, within the Christian system, and I'm sure that this is true within, you know, pretty much any sacred system is that there's a, a general standard it's true of and for anyone and everyone. There's a behavioral standard or expectation that's set for everyone and, and anyone. And then there's a different standard or a different behavioral expectation for those that are in the priestly or, um, or, or judicial or governance branch of any of these religious or cultural frameworks. 
So in other words, if you're just a member of the tribe, clan, faith, creed, nation, city, etc., you have this standard of behavior and expectations and rules and whatever. Um, but if you're a priest, a politician, a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, you know, someone who's put in authority over other general people in positions of, they've been elevated basically to that standard, then there's a different standard of behavior expected. Um, and for whatever reason, since I was a very, very young child, I had set myself the the task or the standard of the priestly class. I, I, I always tried to live my life like a priest, a pastor, a nun, an elder in the church, a deacon, you know, whatever rule, you know, label you want to slap on it. I always, like the teacher's aide, the teacher's pet, like I wasn't the teacher, I was the hall monitor. I, I don't know how to describe this. But I had a sense of inner moral authority that I applied to myself that was set even higher than the level I set for the people around me. I wasn't usually ever looking at the people around me going, why are they not following the rules? It was more like me looking at myself, figuring out all the rules I was following and why things still weren't quite working out and figuring out which rule I still wasn't following so that things would work out. It was always internally focused. I was always <clears throat> very critical from an inner perspective. So I've come to understand a lot about how that standard impacts my own personal choices and the limits it puts in, in front of and around me and whether or not those expectations are reasonable because for sure and certain I am not, you know, operating as a spiritual authority or religious authority or a cultural authority or any sort of authority for anyone. I'm a personal authority to myself. That's it. I, you know, I apply some authoritative energy with my child who I'm still raising, which is appropriate. But really beyond that, I try to just stay within my own sovereign boundaries and territories of the self. And I try to unself myself as much as I possibly can because the self is the source of ego and pain and suffering. And without no self, there is no suffering, basically, from a Buddhist perspective um, or a Zen uh, um, uh, psychological Jungian contemplative sense. All suffering resides in the self. You cannot suffer for another person and you cannot suffer as another person. So if you eliminate the self, you eliminate, if you eliminate the self, you eliminate the suffering. And I forgot to put on my airplane mode again. So sorry about the ding in your ears. If you were listening on earbuds. Um, uh, so, uh, Yeah, the bottom line is I've set a higher standard for myself than I would ever expect for anyone else. And so when it comes time to turn that uh, depth of compassion and forgiveness that I apply so generously to other people and I have to turn it inward towards myself, towards my direction, takes a little bit more attentional focus and force of will. I have to really bring some of my cognitive behavioral therapy tools at bay. I have to like kind of talk myself out of that spiritual moral judgment that is just sort of feels intrinsic, although I know it's not. I know it's programmed like everything in my, in my uh, experiencing. It's just a result of programming. Um, so I just try to get out of the programming divert the programming and get into the truth. And the truth is I have done more castor oil packs in this week than I have done in any week, in any month. Let, okay, let's go there. I have done more castor oil packs in this week than I have done in any month in the past several years that I've had this prescription. I've had this prescription since um, 
For sure I got it from Kimberly. I know I did, but I think I was also given it first initially in a very kind of casual, off the cuff, maybe you could try this, have you tried this kind of thing. Um, with uh, when I was at my steamy chick um, initiation, when I was initiated into the red tent, when I first learned to sit in circle with the siblings of a feminine persuasion, a strictly feminine circle, um, uh, there were, you know, non-binary people there, trans people there, but uh, it was definitely a space honoring the female feminine vessel. It's a womb space, womb healing, red tent. Um, the vaginal steaming therapy, the peristeam hydrotherapy instruction that I undertook during that season um, shifted everything for me. I mean, it really just it's when I first met my, my psoas. I didn't even know. I may have heard of the word psoas, but I don't think I had. I certainly had never seen an illustration, drawing, photograph, picture of it. I'd never seen an anatomical description of it. And I'd been all up in my um, groin pelvis area for years doing western medicine's version of healing and remediation like i was doing physical therapy with a pelvic floor specialist i was doing physical therapy with another specialist who worked exclusively for um, lymphedema and specialized in genital lymphedema i i have I, I had done a lot of work in this anatomy and no one had ever told me about this Thing. It's not an organ. It's not a structure. It's not a muscle per se. People call it a muscle, but I don't really, it's so much, it's part, it's like your mesenterium. It's part of, how do you describe what the psoas is? It's, it's, it's your bow. It's, it's the bow. Like if you think of your vagus nerve as bow strings, like the, the, if you ever seen like the way a violin bow or a viola bow um, that you, uh, you know, like on, that you play music on. It's made of bundles of horse hair. And then the horse hair is strung very, very tight and straight and all even and orderly. But then they put rosin on the bow, like sap basically, to connect the threads and make them smooth and sing together and sort of turn them from many into one, right? They, they do that to make them not be frayed or, or snapped or whatever in order to make them smooth. So if you think of your vagus nerve as your bowstrings, right? And wanting to make sure they're well rosined and tuned up or whatever. The way that you make sure that happens is you have to, you have to make sure your bow is sound, you know, not strong, not, you know, you don't work out your psoas you don't activate it you don't like just don't pretty much try to it's like poking your brain don't don't just don't be gentle notice it but work on the structures around it okay loosen and 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 fall into the allowance of wellness that resides deep within your psoas your psoas wants to be balanced and strong and well um, but it's such a tender it's such a tender being that you don't want to work with it directly necessarily it's very shy so I guess the whole point is I spent a lot of time in a lot of places but it wasn't until I stepped into my intuitive following um, of of wellness and listening to my own body that I really started finding the keys for me. So yeah, I mean, I could scroll back through my Instagram and find out exactly how long ago that was, but I'm pretty sure it was 2016. 
I think it was 2016. April, March, early. I started in March, I think. You know what? I'm just going to check because it's sitting right here, so why not? I might as well figure out what the real answer is so that my brain can stop wondering about it and being distracted. Ha 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 ha. See how that works? I just have to scroll down. Scroll down. Roadside Shaman, if you want to look at this journey and follow it from the beginning I've edited virtually nothing out of my feed I say virtually just because I can't remember ever deleting anything out of my feed but I don't want some you know computer nerd a-hole to come up to me and say you used to have this post I have it screenshot and I go oh well you have more time on your hands than I do because I didn't even know that that was a thing and I forgot that I did that and I wasn't trying to lie, and there's a difference between forgetting and lying, and you know the difference, even when a politician tries to convince you otherwise. There's a difference between forgetting and lying. There it is. Yeah. It was. It was deep in the soup of, um, it was deep in the soup of the election. I was working on getting Bernie Sanders elected, trying to, you know, help with the primary. I was deep, deeply, 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 deeply invested, deeply involved. And I mean, when you look at my feed, you can tell because there's like pages and pages where it's just like, oh my God, does she talk about anything but Bernie Sanders? And the answer is, yeah, I did. And I do. I talked about steaming my vagina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> During that time of my life, I talked a lot about Bernie Sanders, my kid, and steaming my vagina, basically. I was just trying to get well. I was pretty sick during that season. So, yeah, that was like March, April 2016. So, if you think about it from those terms, this week has been a smashing success. I have deeply established my new routine with enough iterative variants and enough um, allowing of, of um, adjustment to feel sustainable, okay? In other words, I didn't do it in such a strict way that I felt like I was being religious about it, but I didn't do it in such a lax way that I felt like I was going to lose hold of my routine. The way that I did that was by yesterday when I woke up way, 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 way too early after crashing asleep too early the night before and forgetting or not making room for space in my routine at the end of the day, I punted it, you know? I did my castor oil pack at like barely five in the morning, okay? Barely counting morning, still dark outside, still technically night in my mind, right? Still technically the previous day, even though I was starting the new day. So I held on to that, I did it, right? And I decided this is going to be my new way. I'm going to do this early in the morning. I'm going to do this in like the five, six o'clock hour because then I'll be done by the time my real quote duties of the day begin. So I won't have to fit it in. I won't have to fit my self care within the expectations of my other duties within the time window of my other duties. Nobody expects anybody to get anything done between three and 5 AM. Usually that's usually Maybe they say 2 and 5, 2 and 5 a.m., 2 and 6 a.m., those hours, most people don't expect anybody to do much of anything. It's called, you know, three, the 3 to 4 a.m. is called the witching hour in, in uh, some traditions because it's known to be a dreamy space. I mean, even if you're up on a 24-hour shift, even if you're working graveyard at a convenience store, that weird, bizarre time between three and four is just, I don't know. It's like reboot time. And so I thought for sure, hey, this would be great. I can just do it early in the morning, right? But homegirl did not remember to set an alarm because I just, I, I haven't really relied on alarms to wake up in a long time. I usually... 
am awakened by my own uh, discomfiture in my body or my child who has, you know, some sleep issues, but like any child wakes early in the morning, typically. Uh, <clears throat> so as my child has gotten older into teen land and his circadian rhythms are shifting, I haven't really like gotten into the habit of setting an alarm for me to wake up. I have a 5.55 a.m. set just because I don't know why it's a 5.55, but I almost never attend to it or hear it or notice it. I'm usually well awake before it rings is why I think. So this time I slept through all the way to my 5.55. I slept through. And so then I woke up to an alarm that was set to make me late on purpose. Like I was set an hour behind by accident on purpose or something like, I don't know how to describe it. The point is I woke up feeling behind and I'm like, I'm not behind. I'm always on time for me. So what does this mean? It means that you're working it out. It means that this is a feeling to integrate to notice, to experience, and to shift. And so what I integrated is the knowledge that I need a, an evening routine as much as I need a morning routine because crashing in bed after I'm exhausted unceremoniously with no planning or, or focus is not a good way to enter the dream space. It's a state of chaos. So... I'm integrating that information. What I'm noticing is I didn't want to give up, but I did feel somewhat chastised or somewhat deflated. But then I immediately started building up bridges of affirmation. I tried to picture what I would say to someone who told me the story of how their day went and all of the different absolutions that I would offer them because for sure and certain I am the great absolver I have the gift of absolution I have it I give it freely I have an overabundance of absolution that I offer constantly if you don't know what the gift of absolution is hang out with a codependent person for a while they forgive everyone everything as long as it makes them happy and like them better <laughs> they forgive everyone everything as long as it makes them happy and make makes the people like them better they find a way to forgive it they find a way to excuse it to you know ignore it deny it transmute it they find a way I have a deep history of codependency so I have highly tuned skills of absolution I have an excuse for anything you tell me what you fucked up on, I will tell you exactly why it's okay and a good reason and I'm glad you did it. I, I don't know why, but that's the way this brain is practiced and built. And so the difference was I was never, ever, 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 ever applying those gifts of absolution to myself. I was using them on everyone else except me. And I was only giving myself chastisement, criticism, critique, measurement, judgment, evaluation, Oh God, and shame upon shame upon shame upon shame. So what I'm noticing today is I, I did not, I did not, could not, would not, will not drop into shame. I just stayed noticing. I stayed curious. What does this mean? What does this mean that I'm a day behind? What does this mean that I'm confused? What does this mean that I have to look this up still? What does this mean that I'm not sure? What it means is it's okay to be wrong and make a mistake and there's nothing wrong with you about doing something inelegantly or incorrectly or inefficiently or halfway. Like, oh, Fly Lady. I was going to tell you guys about Fly Lady. <gasps> fly Lady. Okay, if you guys don't know about Fly Lady, check her out. Like, I think she still has a website somewhere. I don't know. I haven't looked at it in so long. But she was an early guide for me, an early comfort out of shame and I mean it was a really weird way because her rules and guidances are very strict and strictured and like she is like she just doesn't like she has room for grace but she definitely says this is the way you do this to make your life not be terrible right like she just has rules 
And one of those rules is um, shine your sink every day. So like no matter what, at the end of the day, before you go to bed, you polish and shine your sink and make it look pretty and nice and great because at least that one little part of your life is done and orderly and clean or whatever. So like that's it's just, it's just choose a routine, stick to it. Basically. It's what I'm doing with my castor oil packs. I'm shining my sink by heating my pelvis by bringing warmth and oil and hydration and care and tenderness back into my sacral chakra and my root or my solar plexus. I'm getting down into that lower third. So anyways, one of the most helpful things that I ever learned from Fly Lady was this, I don't know if it's a proverb or an admonition or a mantra or what, but this is what Fly Lady says. Fly Lady says that housework done even incorrectly or incompletely is still a blessing to you and your family. Housework done even incorrectly or incompletely is still a blessing to you and your family. Okay? So that's it. This ceremony done even incompletely or incorrectly is still a blessing to me and my pelvis. This castor oil pack done even incorrectly or incompletely is still a blessing to me and my pelvis. So what I want to highlight again is if there may have been a single measurable 24 hour period within this week wherein I did not slap a castor oil pack on my hooter. I don't know if that's true because I wasn't watching the clock that carefully. But what I can tell you is that I have done more castor oil packs in this week than I have done in any month in the past. Let's do the math. It's November. That was March. So March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. So it's eight months. So two years. No, all of 16 to 17 is one year. All of 17 to 18 is two years. Two years and eight months. 24, 32. Okay, so in the last week, I've done more castor oil packs than I did in any month, any of the last 32 months. So to me, that's huge strides, huge accomplishment, huge benefit. And the main thing is, it feels like I'm just starting to get my feet under me on this. I'm just starting to make sense of what this routine even is. I did three or four days in a row before I realized I was building a new routine. You know, as soon as I declared it, that's when I met my first resistance. Ha <laughs> ha. That's called pathological demand avoidance. That's what they call autism in certain parts of Great Britain, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I just know a lot of autistics on the other side of the planet that are slapped with that label either as they're growing up or in addition to their, um, in addition to their autism label, they get slapped with the label. And, I mean, this is a fucking sick label. I don't know who the hell came up with this one pathological demand avoidance. So in other words, some doctor somewhere along the line decided that there were a certain number of demands from other people that we should reasonably expect to be able to meet. So in other words, people place demands upon you. And again, the person doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's self-directed or other directed. If the demand is placed upon you, either by the self within you or the self outside of you, you have an increased avoidance of it. You avoid that demand. You avoid that insistence. It's sort of like avoiding resistance. You're, you're constantly avoiding resistance. 
you're constantly avoiding that pressure. As soon as someone pushes, you squish out of the way like a water weenie. You know, just like, boom, gone. Slippery fish, slippery fish, bye. Like that, that's pathological demand avoidance. Again, another part of this autistic neurology, it's symptomatic framing, it's PTSD triggering, I believe, primarily. I think people who have PTSD have pathological demand avoidance when they're acti when they're activated, when they're triggered, because you can't have any demands. You can only do what you're doing, which is surviving your trigger, riding through your wave, running out your program, you know? If you have OCD and you get triggered and you have to complete your, tr your, your path, you have to do your routine, you have to go through your ritual, whatever it is, like nothing can divert that really. It's very difficult, it takes great momentum, force of will, leverage to divert that flow. So yeah, as soon as I placed that demand, that demand of this is my new routine, this is how I'm doing it and I'm gonna do it. I've committed 21 days in a row, I'm doing my prescription and I'm gonna do it first thing in the morning and it's gonna be the anchor point to my day and I'm gonna win and I'm gonna be the best and I'm gonna be a hero and I'm gonna save my own life and everything's gonna be better and it's gonna be the fix, it's gonna be the fix of all fixes. It's all better now. As soon as I put that expectation in my mind, the weight of it just flumps down on me and I get molasses. And the will to push through that, it's, it, I mean, the effort, can you just imagine, it's Herculean, the cognitive effort to push past that demand expectation is Herculean. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to work my way around it. All I know is that when the demand is placed, the work begins all the rest of the time. I'm just playing and having fun and who knows what I'm doing and I don't care. And this is nice and yay and hooray. Yay. But somewhere niggling in the back of my mind, kind of like worrying, like digging, squirreling in the back of my brain is going, you're doing it wrong. You're not doing enough. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, you know, that's English for you, right? Because when people come up to you and they bump into you like randomly throughout the day, whether they know you intimately or they don't know you at all, what do they say? How you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? I think what they really mean is, how are you still breathing in all this shit that we're all walking through all the time? Like, how are you still here? How are you still existing in in this weird quantum reality we've jumped into where, uh, you know, we've got President Camacho as a reality? How are you doing now that we live in the world where idiocracy is a documentary film and not a satiric warning? Like, how are you doing? Right? They're checking in to see how much you're getting done. They're checking in to see, what are you accomplishing for this material world? What are you accomplishing to take up space here? What are you bringing to the hearth, to the fire? What are you throwing in the cook pot? What are you casting down before the throne? What are you offering? And I'm just Hannah. Wailing, crying, flailing, crying out for freedom. And the priests are going, she's drunk. She's wasted. Get her out of here. I say, no, no, please, please. I'm not drunk. I'm not wasted. I'm not nuts and crazy. I'm overcome with grief, crying out to the universe for relief. That's what I'm, quote, doing over here. That's, quote, how I am doing. By flailing about and looking a mess. Can't you tell? If you can't tell, get closer. You'll see the tracks of my tears running down my face. That's how I'm doing. Nobody ever says, how you being? 
How are you, human being? How are you being? How are you being? Are you being or are you doing? Are you being? Are you being? Or are you doing? One of my favorite response greetings in Chickasaw is Chishnako. It basically means, and you, how's it going with you? Um, or like in friends speak in Joey Tribbiani ease, how you doing? <laughs> right? It's Chukma means hello. And Chishnako means, and you, how's it going with you? How you doing? How you being? How is it? How's it? I think they say that kind of like as a contraction in Hawaii. H-O-W-Z-I-T. How's it? Another word. They don't say doing. They don't say going. They don't say being. They just say how is it? How's it? Or maybe it could be how was it because it's a contraction. So you can convert the tense in your mind to what's appropriate. I love that. I love contractions for that reason because they erase the question of what it could be and just offer everything that it is because what do we say? All possibilities are actualities. On a quantum level, all possibilities are actualities. Archangel Haniel taught me that. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I, I, I feel awesome because I am being human and what I'm doing is kind of immaterial at any given moment. As long as breathing is one of those things. Because. As long as you're breathing, you're choosing. And as long as you've got a breath, you can choose again. So. I am a catalyst at the point of choice. That's a human. A human is a catalyst at the point of choice. Choose which way you lean. You know, that determines whether your fire gets smothered or sets ablaze a whole uh, line of torches into the hills, sending a signal further. You know, that determines whether you get fractaled out or snuffed out. I am a catalyst at the point of choice, like any good human. So... How you being? I was going to read all my moon names. But then I thought, no, I shouldn't. And then I thought, oh, I'll read all of my Chickasaw moon names. But then I thought, ah, uh, no, I shouldn't. And then I remembered the thing that I was intending to read when I first started this process, I was going to read <clears throat> the matron saint of all quantum phenomena, Archangel Haniel, a.k.a. Teata, a.k.a. Bearer of the Morning, a.k.a. Christa Sophia, a.k.a. Gaia Sophia, a.k.a. The Light of Infinite Possibilities, the Mirror of Isis, Ma'at, Ma'at. Ma'at, Ma'at, Te'ata, Bearer of the Morning, Christa Sophia, Archangel Haniel. I want to read the 42 ideals of Ma'at. Because, you know, I don't know how many nets I've cast. I don't know how many episodes I've woven into the ether. But it's been several, quite a few. Plenty of opportunities to have read it before but I didn't. And this was what was called forth 
in my consciousness and the fact that I spontaneously mentioned their name means this must be the being for now. This must be the doing that's called forth. Archangel Haniel prepares the way for Chimera Moon. Chimera Moon is our next fullness. That's what we're beckoning. We're still in the thick paste of poultice medicine in Morteros Moon. But we can see the fullness growing, the, the, the building up here, the beckoning of Chimera Moon. Chimera Moon. Full Moon in Gemini is going to be Chimera Moon. How appropriate. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. 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 When a song comes forth in my head to be sung, a lot of times I don't like it because I don't want to say the words in English that it brings. Because the idea of Lord is so decidedly masculine in our mind. But I want to welcome the idea that a Lord is also a lady and a lady is also a Lord. And a Lord can be in a feminine body and a lady can be in a masculine body. Uh, lady Lord Sovereign, Lord Lady Sovereign, Lady Lord Sovereign, Lord Lady Sovereign. It is Sovereign Christa Sophia. And it's the union of feminine and masculine. And so... We need a new name for what that is, but it's Prepare Ye the Way of the Sovereign Christa Sophia is the song. And the reason why those notes were called forth, I believe, is because vagal tuning down low in that deep resonant, oh, that's what was looking for. They wanted me to get down into that, deep into that bowl of my belly, deep in the deepest tones of my um, vagus nerve tuning. Um, I have other episodes where I talk a lot about vagal tone and how to tune your vagus nerve and why it's important. But uh, that's your vagus nerve. Your mesenterium is like that. Your bow is your psoas. So anyways, I'm going to read the 42 ideals and then we're probably done because I feel like I've been yakking a while. How long is this thing going on? Oh, it's 9 o'clock. Exactly. Nine means completion, so that means I'm right. It means I'm done. I just need to read this and then this. How long has this been running? 44, 44. <laughs> I opened the timer. It was literally 4441. 4441, I watched it go to 42, 43, 44, because those are all my good numbers. Oh, my howdy. 44s are angel numbers, and more upon that is <clears throat> sacred blessings. If you see your numbers, you know you're in the right. Matron of all quantum phenomenon, Archangel Haniel, Te'ata, Ma'at, Ma'at, the 42 ideals of Ma'at. One, we honor virtue. Two, we benefit with gratitude. Three, we are peaceful. Four, we respect the property of others. Five, we affirm that all life is sacred. Six, we give offerings that are genuine. Seven, we live in truth. Eight, we regard all altars with respect. Nine, we are sincere. Ten, we consume only our fair share. Eleven, we have only good intentions. 
12, we relate in peace. 13, we honor all creatures with reverence. 14, we are trustworthy. 15, we care for our earth. 16, we keep our own counsel. 17, we speak positively of others. 18, we are balanced in our emotions. 19, we are honest in our relations. 20, we hold purity in high esteem. 21, we spread joy. 22, we do the best we can. 23, we communicate with compassion. 24, we listen to opposing opinions. 25, we create harmony. 26, we invoke laughter. 27, we are open to love in all forms. 28, we are forgiving. 29, we are kind. 30, we are respectful of others. 31, we accept all without judgment. 32, we follow our inner guidance. 33, we converse with awareness. 34, we do good. 35, we give blessings. 36, we keep the waters pure. 37, we speak with good intent. 38, we praise all divine sovereigns. 39, we are humble. 40, we achieve with integrity. 41, we advance through our own abilities. 42, we embrace the all. So I don't know about you, but I find those 42 ideals much more helpful, soothing, comforting, practical, uh, etc. much more than any 10 commandments or 12 steps or, you know, whatever, eightfold path. They're, I mean, they're all good systems. They're all good sortings. They're all good models and guides. And I don't negate any of them. I'm just saying for me, that list and that tuning of ideology is a soothing comfort for me and I find it helpful. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to do a thing, I guess I'm going to post something onto my Instagram. I usually just do stories that vanish after 24 hours, but I'm going to put a permanent post. I'm going to put an actual post into my Instagram feed and I'm going to, uh, list the 42 ideals of Ma'at that you guys, if you're curious, you can meditate on them. I rewrote them using the we because for me that's more collective, more, I don't, I don't like I am uh, meditations or goals because it feels exclusionary. And I always full of, feel a multiplicity of self within my me. And so my me, I is not a singular I. And so until the I includes a multiplicity of consciousness in English, I prefer to use we when doing affirmations, if that makes sense. So um, they're rewritten in the we form and I'm happy to share them with you. And I offer it as a comfort guidance to you. And um, who knows, maybe I'll pick one to meditate on each day and try to focus on as a theme or whatever. But um, I know for one thing, I will post that into my Instagram feed on um, roadside shaman so that you guys can find it easily. Um, 
and not have to go digging through the deep web to find a translation you like because that's hard it's hard when you find something that has inelegant words or or things that are worded in negation because these used to be called the 42 virtues no not the 42 virtues i think it was like the 42 rules or law oh laws that's what it was it were laws and they were written in a negative form like I don't do this. I don't do that. I also don't do this and I don't do that. And I don't do this. And you know, like the thou shalt nots of the 10 commandments, you know? Um, and so for me with the more positive affirming way of doing it, I, I rewrote it in an affirmative, uh, phrase way, etc. But that's enough. That's gotta be enough now because we're coming up on an hour and that barely leaves time for intro and outro music. So I will just say, uh, I am so filled with love. We, we am so filled with love. We am so filled with love. We am magic. Say chukma, which means hello. Chishnako means. And you, how's it going with you? How are you being? And I say Chapisalacho, which means I will see you as the chickas I'll have no word for goodbye. This will last.